tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney+. Plus. My father walks on the court, calls the timeout, and he takes me outside. What are you doing? So, young man, I'm working on my Dr. J. You ain't no Dr. J. Be the first Shaq. So now that he embarrassed me in front of everybody, every dunk was trying to tear the rim down because I was mad at him. How close did you get to going the wrong way? Very close. I wanted people to like me or fear me. Just, just like on the basketball court. That was the one and only Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq. And I am the one and only Dr. Phil, and you're listening to Fill in the Blanks, my new podcast, and this is the first episode. And you're right, I'm sitting down talking to Shaq, and I'm not talking to him about basketball because everybody talks to him about basketball. What I wanted to do was find out who Shaq really is. Full disclosure, he and I are friends, so I really kind of know the areas to talk to him about, to ask about. He's a dad, and trust me, he takes it very seriously. He does not raise his kids the way he was raised. And I'm going to ask him why, because he says it worked for him. Why doesn't he use it for his own kids? So we're going to be talking about that. His mother, Lucille O'Neill, he holds her in the highest regard, but he's not just a basketball player. This guy is a champion with everything he touches, platinum album, gold album. He's made movies. In fact, he and I did Scary Movie 4 together. And, uh, boy, a lot of Oscar buzz around that. I'm kidding, of course. He's a reserve police officer. He's an analyst on TNT for the NBA. He grew up a lot different. His mother had to carry his birth certificate with her all the time because he was so big, nobody believed he was so young. Now, I've been talking about him a lot, but it's time to talk with him, not about him. And I'm going to do that in less than 60 seconds. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Bravo Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Bravo Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Rob bros. Good job. Hey, thanks for doing this. No problem. It was funny when you FaceTimed the other night, we were watching, we were watching you on oh, TV, yeah. <laughs> and then it goes from the TV screen to the FaceTime, and I texted you right after you saw Jay. Right. I don't know how son, to text. It didn't go through. You got a great son. He's a, he's a good guy, yeah, isn't he? Is. Yep. He's killing it. He's he's doing great. He's got two kids, and he's a good dad and good in business. I got another son, Jordan, who's a musician. 
Awesome. And uh, he's just blowing up right now. Good. He's doing great. So how have you been? I'm good. How you liking being a television guy? It's good. At TNT, they allow us to be ourselves. Yeah. So it's not like I'm, you know, giving stats all the time. Uh, the first year I got there, I was terrible because I was saying to myself, I'm going to be like Brian Gumble. I want to be so professional and big words and this. And the producer called me in and said, if you keep this up, you're not going to be here long. We want you to be you. We want you to be Shaq. I was like, what does that mean? It's like, all the silly stuff we see you do online. That's what I said. Oh, that's the guy you want? Yeah. So after I, you know, mastered my own style, I became a whole lot better. Uh, Ernie's still the man on the show. Chuck still does what he does. Then it's me and uh, then it's Kenny. But I just had to get comfortable in my style because we figured if we keep you up at 1.32 a.m., you just watched the game, so you pretty much know the stats. So we want to make you laugh before you go to sleep. Yeah. We don't want to bore you with just, you know, the, the traditional, he did this, he did that. So we definitely, uh, you know, keep you laughing. Do you genuinely have fun when you're doing it? We do. It's real. Because it seems like you do. No, it's real. They don't allow us to sit in on the meetings. You know, Ernie is the only, you know, he's the curator of the show, so he's the only guy that knows what's going to go on. You know, the good thing about Chuck is you don't know what he's going to say. And I like to, you know, throw stuff in and out, and I can make up skits anytime I want. But, you know, the dynamic of the show is, is 100% real. And a lot of people think that Charles and I don't get along. That's 100% false. Uh, it's more like a big brother, little brother relationship. A lot of people don't know that, but his mother and my mom were best friends. I didn't realize that until we had that altercation at one time in Houston. So we had an altercation, got into a fight. I wanted to kill him after the game. So after the game, I get a call. It's his mom and my mom on the line at the same time. Y'all go apologize. Y'all don't need to be fighting in front of the kids like that. And I was like, hello? And my mom was like, this is me and Charles' mom. I was like, hello, Miss Barkley. You better not hit my baby. Go on there, <laughs> You know, it's like... <laughs> and she kind of sounded like my mom. So I had to walk across, give him a hug. He said, yeah, man, I talked to my mom and I talked to your mom. Like, I didn't even know he knew my mom, but his mom and my mom apparently have been best friends for like 20, 30 years. Really? Like, yeah. His mom passed away a couple of years ago, but yeah, our dynamic is sort of like that. Once I found out they were friends, I used to sit and watch them. It's the same thing, playing cards, drinking tea, talking about issues. They arguing, but they're not fighting. It's like, a, you know, respect. No, he wasn't girl. Yes, he did care that. And it was the funnest thing. So me and Charles were, were actually the opposites of what our, our, our moms used to do. Wow. So you didn't know they were friends. And then your both moms called both of you? Yes. Just told you straighten yeah. up? Yeah, straighten up. Because your right mother away. still holds your feet to the fire, uh, right? Uh, yes, 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 sir. She does. So, you know, she called me right away and said, y'all don't need to be doing that on national TV. You know, we know both of y'all are intense players, but that's not what we need to be showing, showing our children. So whenever my mom tells me something, she's always right because she's always been right. So, yeah. you know, my mom has given me a, a million things to do, and it's always been correct. So, when you went over to him after that, after you both got the call, is he the same way about his mother? He'd be yes. like, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Yeah. So, you're yeah, ready to kill mom, him, and then all of a sudden you guys are fine. Yes, his mom, his mom didn't <clears throat> play, and my mom don't play. Yeah. Because I always said to myself, you know, especially when it comes to being a role model, I said, role models, I have to put that second. Because I said, I would never want my mom to watch TV and see me doing something crazy. That, yeah. That right there would hurt me more than anything. So I, I've, I've always been conscious of what I say, how I act, or what I do. And then Nexus, you know, same thing with the children. Yeah. How often do you talk to your mom now? I talk to my mom probably once or twice a week. Well, that's great. Yeah. How's she doing? She, she's fine. She's uh, excellent. Good health? Yeah. She got her PhD from uh, Bethune-Cookman University. And she thanks me all the time because uh, I see you have my book in front of me, but my mother also has a book. It's called Walk Like You Have Somewhere to Go. In the book, she explains that when she had me at 17 years old, 
everything had to stop. Yeah. And, you know, her dreams had to be put on hold and stopped so that I, I could fulfill my dreams. So one day, you know, I'm a very successful man, NBA businessman. I get a call and it's sort of like a, a role reversal thing. Her voice gets shot, baby, um, can I borrow some money? Which is something she never does. I was like, well, whatever you need. You, you want a new house? I'll take care of it right now. You want a car? No, I want to go back to school. And I'm like, for real? So she enrolls in Bethune, Cookman University, get, gets her bachelor's. Baby, yes. Uh, you got your uh, master's from University of Phoenix. Can you uh, introduce me to the people? Sure. She gets her master's from University of Phoenix. Baby, wow. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You got your doctorate. How would you like to have two doctors in the family? I'm very, very impressed with her. She was the president of the Mothers of the NBA Association. And, wow. And she held that for a long time. She just let it go because, you know, I, I wasn't there anymore. And she wanted all the new moms to, you know, have an opportunity to be a part of the organization. But So what's her doctorate in? Uh, education. Education? Yes, education. And yours is in? Education. Yeah. Yes, but she's way smarter than I am. Yeah, you think so? Oh, I know so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to debate that. <laughs> nope, not at all. Yeah. She wrote this book, Walk Like You Have Somewhere to Go. Yes. Okay. I'm going to get that. Fern, give me a copy of that, will you? I will. She, yeah. she does a lot of speaking engagements, and she's a perfectionist speaker. I saw her speak one time. and I mean, because I do speaking engagements, too, I was jealous. Because me, I have half the year. I don't know about you, but I got to use notes. I got to look down. I got to tell stories. But hers is just off the top. Boom, 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 boom. She sounds so elegant. And I was like, wow, how do you do that? And she's she, a tough act to follow. Yes, huh? she really is. Now, you have three siblings, right? You have yes. Two sisters and a brother? Two sisters and a brother. How are they doing? They're doing fine. What do they, they do? They they live in Orlando and, and they work. One of my sister works at a bank. The other one works at a hotel. And my brother, he's trying to build this company. But they they yeah. work. You have a good relationship with them? Of course, we have to. So you see each other some, talk? Uh, a, a lot. You know, my father yeah. told me the man's job on this earth, especially when you have family, is to protect and provide. So now that he's no longer here, that's my job. I have to protect the family and provide for the family. Yeah. I try not to enable them, them, but I always protect and provide. So I got uh, nephews and nieces, and we have a great relationship. How do you handle it when, because I've, you know, I've been in the same situation, how do you handle it when family members come to you and want to borrow money, or how do you keep from enabling them? The first 15 years when I was making an S load of money, I don't want to disrespect your program, but you know now what you say anything you want. Uh, I would always say, yeah. Because my method for saving money is, just say I got $100. $50, I'm putting that away. I'm not even looking at it. I'm not going to even touch it. Now, I got 50 left. I'm going to take that. So now I'm putting 75% away. And this 25%, I'm doing whatever I want to do in it. So I, I was making that much money that I was able to do that. So finally, the creator of my program, my mother said, baby, can't do that no more. I was like, Mama, we got, I got a lot of stuff going on. She shows me an article where 70% of all NBA players are broke when they're done playing. She's like, I don't, want this to, I don't want this to happen to you, baby. You can't take care of everybody. So creator of the program said I had to cut it off, so we have to cut it off. How did, I mean, they, how did people handle that? Some didn't like it, but that's not my problem. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I did all I can, and I did more than I should have done. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, my mother explained to me, like, there's only one king, and that king is you. Everybody can't be. Everybody can't do what you do unless they do what you do. So when I stopped it, a lot of people got upset, but they'll they'll be okay. Yeah, sometimes it seems like the people you do the most for are the ones that resent you the most when you yes. don't do it anymore. Yes. I mean, so you might as well stop now because exactly. it's just going to get worse the further you go. Yep. I think one of the things that I've been fascinated by, and I think people 
particularly a lot of young people listen to this, are the values and the drive that got you where you are. Because, I mean, you're a big guy. Big guy doesn't get where you are. There's, I mean, that's drive, values, work. I mean, what's the philosophy that got you to be Shaq? I was raised by a disciplinarian father. Philip Harrison was a drill sergeant in the Army. So when he met my mother and I at two, started early. Give me the bottle. You Learn said how to tie your own shoe. You said that you took whoopings from him. Oh, yeah, I did. And he called you names. Yes. From the time you were three years old. What did yeah. he call you? Names that we can't discuss these days. Yeah. But I think he realized I think he realized that I was a tough kid and I could take it. So his thing was, listen, I'm from the same street you're from. This is what I used to do. I'm not gonna let you do this. You're going that way. You're going to college, you're gonna get a job. If that doesn't work out, you're gonna join the military, you're gonna be somebody in life. You're not gonna be a follower, you're gonna be a leader. So I thank him. I thank him all the time. Like it was very hard on me, but it's not something that I dwell on now and say, he was too hard on me. I'm glad he did it. Because I look at a lot of guys in my position, they have no discipline, they have no drive, they have no values. So he put that into me right away. As I was saying, at, at three years old, give me the bottle. At five years old, you can't tie your shoe yet? Learn how to tie your shoe at six years old. You're going to stand there and sing your ABCs 10 times in a row till you get it right. At eight years old, read that book to me. And then I have so much discipline in me now that that stuff that I was raised doing, I don't do now. For example, I have a I have a chef now. I'm well off. I can have a chef. He's not allowed to put more than two slices of turkey on my sandwich because we used to get in trouble for that. Because payday coming first and fifteenth is me, my other siblings. You don't Shaquille just because you're big. You don't get to get all the meat and all the cheese on the sandwich. So even to this day, and still you do still that. to this day, and I don't throw leftovers away. Hey man, say that to tomorrow. A lot of stuff that I do because it was so instilled into me, and then I. The thing that changed me around, though, was sports. Because I was a medium-level juvenile delinquent. I was coming up around the age where I went from fighting to weapons to guns. So I was, like, right in the middle with weapons and stuff. And then I heard somebody important say, no pass, no play. So I was like, whatever. And then one time I didn't pass, and my father wouldn't let me play. And it crushed me. So I was like, no, nah, I got to straighten up. Right. So then I start doing this and start doing that. And my father comes in the house. I always tell people my father was like a, a Mr. Miyagi. He had me doing a whole bunch of weird stuff that I didn't understand. But you did it. Right? Like I did it. Like first thing was he'd come home and get some extra money. Let's go eat. So we, you know, we go to White Castle, get some burgers and uh, he gets six. I get six. We can't finish him. So he's riding around looking for people. Sees a guy with a sign. I said, what are you doing, man? Shut up. Like, shut up. So he gets out, he gives the guys the burgers. I'm like, bro, what, what are you doing? And then he, then he shuts the door. If you ever make it big time and you can take care of a person that needs it more than you, you do it. I'm not allowed to ask another question like, what, what does that mean? But I remember it. So, you know, we'll be in the room. He'll come to the closet. You got all this junk. Box it up now. We have to box all the stuff. He'll go through. Y'all don't like that. Box it up. Get in the car. We go down to the Salvation Army. I'm like, bro, I need. it's about to get cold. I need Shut up. I need the sweater. So we got boxes of clothes. We take it to the Salvation Army. Same thing. If you ever could take care of somebody that needs it more than you, you make sure you do it. So that stuff. And those are my main causes now as a professional. And uh, one time he uh, he saw this, this family wasn't getting presents. They only had one boy. So it was me, my little brother. He was too little. And my two sisters. So he comes to me and says, hey, man, this kid not getting nothing. I'm going to give him your toys. 
and I'll take care of you the next payday. All right. But I'm gonna give you something that, that you're gonna like, trust me. So on that morning of Christmas, all my brothers and sisters opened up their toys and I'm like, <sighs> he comes out with an autographed Dr. J ball and a boom box. Oh, wow. I'm happy. He said, Let's go, get a ride. So we get to the kids' house and the kids, he's sitting there, he don't have nothing. We bring in my stretch G.I. Joe. You remember that toy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we bring in the stretch G.I. Joe, little remote control car, uh, the racetrack, the all that. And the kid was happy. So those are things that I've been doing all my life. Shaq a Claus, right. Shaq's giving, and I always give away a lot of stuff. But he was a, he was a different guy. So now, you know, I know a lot of people had tough childhoods. Mine was very tough, but I don't look at that as, as a negative. I, I look at it as a positive for me. Do you use the same tactics no. with yours? No. Why not? No, no. It worked with you. Why not do it, it with your kids? It worked with me, but... You have to look at the circumstances. My kids don't grow up in the same area that I grew up in. Exactly. So I'm only vocally stern with them. But you don't have to harden them no. for the streets that you were living no, on at the time. not at all. Not at all. I've uh, taught them all to be leaders and not followers. I do the same thing with them. Uh, one of my daughters one time, she she really understood the lesson. We were in Phoenix, and I did the same thing. Because I knew Chris was coming up. They got the toys. I'm like, let's go. Get in the car. So my baby had a Barbie with, with an arm that got snuck in the pile because I never would have put that in the pile. It got snuck in the pile. So we get there to a homeless shelter in Phoenix and the little girl, is, she spots this one-armed Barbie. She's she's in line looking at it. So then when the line opens up, she runs and she get, and she's playing with the Barbie like it's the best thing. And my daughter starts crying. Daddy, I didn't mean to put that. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. But like when I discipline them, it's just vocally. Like the boys are vocally and the girls get this eye right here. <laughs> They get the shack eye? Yeah, when I give them that eye, all three of them, I got 22, 18, and 11, they break down. So I, I try not to break them down, but my boys, I give it to them, you know, verbally tough. Yeah. But you're not a spanker? No, I'm not a spanker. Never was? Nah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of spanking. I, right. I think it confuses the kid because the mm. kid's sitting there thinking, okay, you're supposed to love and nurture me, right. and now you're hitting me and inflicting pain on me. I right. think that's confusing. It is. But, I think it's really confusing. Yep. So you moved around a lot, and you say that you think that's what caused you to be outgoing and social because you had to start over a lot? In my mother's book, she explains that when she told my grandmother we were pregnant, she was ousted. Really? Yeah, because my grandma was very religious. Get out. So we moved around place to place, and then finally towards the end where my mother couldn't take anymore, she comes home. But my grandmother lays eyes on me. And she, she gets a feeling and all is forgot. Come in, whatever, whatever. And she used to always tell my mother, this one right here is special. This one's going to be known all over the world. My mom really? Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so my grandmother was, she was very spiritual like that, so she didn't know. So being that I moved from place to place, it enables me to deal with all people. Yeah. Uh, I went from the projects of Newark, New Jersey, mostly African-American, to West Germany. I don't know nothing about Germany. Like the only thing they teach you in, in, about Germany is the war and yeah. Mr. A.H. They yeah. know nothing about Germany. But when you get there, you learn the culture, you learn the people. Like, this is beautiful. And I leave there, and I go to San Antonio, Texas. That's a big difference. Hispanics. Yeah. So now I got to deal with the with the homies on the block, so I learned to do that. And then I leave there and go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Cajun. What are you talking about there, uh, Dougville? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to show that. Uh, uh, uh. So, yeah. That's a language you can't write down. <laughs> yeah, that so then I leave there and move to Orlando. So overall, it just helps me to be able to, to, to deal with all people. Yeah. That's all. And I'm a people person because, like, you know, growing up in a certain area, 
put it this way. When I saw Roots, I was upset, right? Yeah. But then when I moved out of there, I was like, I got all these friends. This white dude is my best friend. Yeah. I'm tripping. Hey, man, don't go to Texas with the Mexican. Like, you hear stuff, right? Then you get there, and I'm like, man, this this, this enchiladas ain't bad. Good food and cool people. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? People are people, and I just love and enjoy being around people. Were you always big? Because you said your mother had to carry your birth certificate around because people did not believe you believe. were so young. Yeah, they didn't, but I was always big. I was always clumsy. I was a terrible player, but my father wouldn't allow me to stop dreaming and stop trying. The best thing he did one day that turned everything around, because, you know, I already had it in my mind. I'm a junior. I got 300 days left and in high school. I'm going to just join the Army. Good life. I'm not that smart. I'm not going to get a college scholarship. I'm not going to be out there working a little BS job. It's a good life. You wake up, you do PT. I like to work out. You boom, 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 bang. You may go fight. I like to fight. Boom. So one day he comes in, he has a paper. Get your ass up. Let's go. So we go to the San Antonio Spurs game. And he don't let me see the paper. He just got the paper. He hits me with it and it's folded. He has it on his arm. We're watching the Atlanta Hawks play, San Antonio Spurs. And he said, Keep an eye on number. I don't want to know what his number was. Five. And he's cool. He's all right. I, I can do that now what he's doing. And then right before we get in the car, he opens it up. John Conkite, 15 million for three years. Now, I'm not no dummy, but I know that's you five. You do million. that math. So I was like, that dude is making five? So I thought he showed me that. My shoe was, because, you know. Change the whole yeah, deal. Yeah, because my, my whole dream was uh, make eight million for 10 years. Because that's the type of money that they were paying back then. But, yeah. But when I saw that article, I was like, okay, school. It just sh- I got to turn it on. I got to bring these Ds. I got to bring them to Cs and Bs, right? Practicing. I got to get notice and try to get a scholarship. And and it was just, you know, he did a lot of weird, odd things that just propelled me to that next level. But he left it to you, it sounds like. He would just show you this and say, all right, look at this. So what are you going to do about it? Right. Yeah, that's it. And he left it to you. Left it to me. So seeing that was enough to tell you, I'm changing directions. I'm going to start studying. I'm going to start working out. Yeah, because, I'm going to start practicing. Because that number was a factor. I grew up with nothing. Yeah. And being the oldest boy and the toughest-minded boy, there's a lot of times I didn't get anything. Yeah. But, you know, you always got to take care of the younger sisters. You always got to take care of So when I'm like five million a year, I can get them a house. I can get like I was just that. that that's it's a factor for me. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not an engineer. I can't be like oh I can. If I write this essay, I can get an engineer. That that's not a factor for me. So when I see the five million, that could change everybody's lives. Yeah, that's a motivating factor for me. So yeah. I had to jump on that chance. So when you went to college, did you plan to stay for the whole time? Two years, three years? Yes, because. I've been let down so much. And what I mean by that is I started off a terrible player at, you know, eight, eight, nine, ten years old. Then when you get to 12, oh, you're pretty good. But guess what? Now you got to play against the teenagers. Not that good, yeah. right? Freshman, sophomore year, didn't make it. Oh, junior, senior year, you're a starter. You're, you're really good. You're really good. Now I'm, I get to LSU, and it's a whole bunch of high school All-Americans like you. So now i got to start all over again. So I'm very – cognizant of not getting too happy real quick until the time comes. So when I first get there, I don't even start. Coach Brown says, hey, I need you to come off the bench, which is cool with me. I say, hey, I'm, I'm in school. I'm, whatever you say, sir, boom, boom, boom. And my mother would always tell me, listen, when your time comes, you take advantage of it. But again, doing this all my life, 
I knew that when I come here, take advantage of it. So it was a fella, two fellas, Chris Jackson and Stanley Roberts. They were way better than me. So Stanley Roberts flunks out. <laughs> Here's your shot, Mr. O'Neill. And ironically, we were playing UNLV at the time. So, you know, I called my mom and said, Mom, I'm starting today. And she said, baby, make them remember your name. So now I'm pumped. So yeah. I, don't, I don't care about Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman and Jerry Tarkanian. And I have a great game. And then I go back and watch the game, and I hear Dick Vitale say, if Shaquille O'Neal leaves school, he's going to be the number one pick. Now I'm ready. Wow. Somebody else said it. Because right. I, I think it, but I don't know. <laughs> But he said it, and then a couple of scouts said it. So now I got that super confidence. So then I said, you know what? I promised my parents I'm going to stay four years. I'm going to stay one more year. And then I just keep hearing it. Oh, he's the number one pick. Maybe Leitner, maybe Eliza Morton, but Shaq's the best player in the country. And he met with John Wooden. And like I was do just doing all these things. And then the time come where I had to break a promise to my father. So I promised him I would stay. So. That was a tough conversation. Because you called him, right? Yeah, no, I had to go home. I think when I was having a conversation, he was he was also testing me. So I said, hey, man, I think I got to go pro. You mama. Just going up, but I didn't move. I didn't flinch. I just stood there and looked at him, man. And then he calmed down and said, you know what? Congratulations, you're a man now. That was a test. It was a test. Like, <laughs> if I would have been like that, he would have been like, you're not ready. But he, you, break you mama. I want to tell you that. I just stood there like. I said, but I'm going pro. I'm a man now. He was like, oh, you a man now? I was like, yes, sir, I'm a man now. All right, big man, let's do it. So he did it right yeah, there. Yeah, he did it right there. So after that, our, our relationship really became really powerful and strong. So then after I got drafted, I said, uh, how long you plan on being in the Army? Man, I'm going to just do this shit. I said, no, you quitting today. You work for me now. Motherfucker, I don't work for you. I said, well, you just, you know, be my partner. You know, you can handle my fan club. So another great story about that is when I got there, I told him, I said, we, we're going to go look for a house for me. What you want to live with? I said, I need your help. Just pick somewhere big. So we we find this big house, nine, ten thousand square feet. And it's only two million. So I know not to spend it. Like, and, and then, like, the stuff they teach you in school, it's not really – Stuff you're supposed to learn in life. So when I got to the bank, I was going to write the check for two. The guy said, no, 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 no. You know, you can spread this out for 30 years. Just give me 10% the down payment. And I was like, oh, so I can save that much? So cool. So I bought the house. And I told him, I said, remember that house y'all picked for me? Yeah. I don't want it. It's yours. Both of them start crying. Said, Man, we can't afford this. That's already paid for, brother. Just got it. It was great. But they moved in. They moved in. Because it was for them. Because I didn't want it. It and was you, for them. It was for them to begin with. Yeah, it was them for getting it. And then we went stereo shopping. And this is the cutest story. We went stereo shopping. So I get big TVs, this and that. So I go to the restroom. I come back. And the guy has out the layaway forms. He's like, your mother, she wanted you to fill this out. And I was like, what is this? He's like, this is the layaway form. I'm like, hold on. Mommy, Miss <laughs> uh, Lucille, the layaway days are over, young lady. So I pull out my checkbook. She started crying. What are you going to do with all that? It's going to your house. I don't need it. Because that was always one of my things. I wanted to thank them. Yeah. Especially my dad for really being hard on me. And because, you know, as a youngster, I'm like, this, this is where I want to be right there. And yeah, people, you're not going to make it. You're not this. You're not that. You're not that. And we fought through all that. And we finally here. So the first thing I had to do was reward them. But he taught you basketball from the very beginning, right? Yes, he did. He, he taught, taught you me, the fundamentals. He taught me basketball. And we're talking about your stepdad. Stepdad. I don't, I don't use the term stepdad. My dad. But he wasn't your biological father. Yeah, but he was my dad. Yeah. Speaking of biological father, we now have a, have a relationship now. Really? Yeah. Why? Because my mother asked me to. Because I'm, I'm 47, successful. Never been one of those kids to dwell on negativity or dwell on the past. So I, I never said to myself, I need to meet my dad. So my mother calls me. 
says, you need to meet your biological. I'm like, well, I'm good. I'm 47, I got six kids, mom, it's all good. She said, no, he's a good guy. So, and she kept calling me, because I was kind of blown off and not really, and then she kept calling me. So I was like, okay, I'll meet him. And then crazy thing is, in Newark, New Jersey, there's this restaurant that I always go to, a soul food restaurant. And there was a guy in there, a chef, he always used to look at me and just start crying, right? Just start crying every time I come in. And he was my father's best friend. Really? And my biological father lived upstairs. Mm-hmm. But my biological father used to tell everybody, when Shaquille come in, don't bother him, leave him alone. But he just always used to look at me and start crying. Wow. So one day we go to the restaurant, and then I'm in the car, and I call one of my uncles, who's a, a North police detective. I said, find Joe Tony for me. He said, man, you ain't going to believe it. The, the building you always eat, he's upstairs. So we go back. I call him, tell him to come downstairs. We have a good conversation. And it ain't about what happened, because I've learned you can't judge a man. I don't judge. You know, he, he had some problems when he was young. I don't judge him. I don't follow him. You know, my thing now is just that as long as we're both here, we just get to know each other. I don't ask him what happened. I know what happened, but I don't ask him. We don't talk about it. And I don't, hey, man, how come you? I'm not the judge and the jury. My job is to just love him as, as much as I can now. Do you talk to him occasionally? Probably probably once every other week. Oh, That's, really? Yeah, because he's sort of like me. He don't like to bother people. He just, you know, he'll, he'll call me, hey, what's up, man? What's happening? What you doing? And then another time I, I came back. Like, where are you? He's like, man, I'm downtown. I was like, all right, meet me over here. He walked. So I said, let's roll. Took him to a dealership, picked one out. Said, when I come to see you, don't tell me you're walking. Because I got stuff to do. You need to come see me when I said. So I bought him a little car. Nice gesture. Yeah. And he appreciates it? Oh, of course. I mean, he loves it. He's at a point <laughs> yeah. where he. Oh, he loves it. So yeah, every, now, now every time I come in town, tell him where I'm at, he'll yeah. zoom right over. Yeah. So you get along when he's there. You- yeah, talk of about stuff. No, we don't talk about anything. Just eat and have a good time. He'll Does tell he, me about parts of his family. And have he, has he met your children? He met my oldest daughter, and she was crying because she knew the story. But I don't really, you know, talk about stuff like that. But she was glad to meet him. Yes, she yeah. was glad to meet him. Yeah, it's good to I mean the history. Yes, you, know, you got your roots. I mean, it's you, you see your history. Whether she's active with him or not, at least she knows that piece yeah. of the puzzle, she right? Met I have to uh, introduce him to the other five. Yeah. Who have been the biggest influences besides your your dad? Dale Brown. He was your college coach. Dale Brown. So my biggest influences are Philip Arthur Harrison, Dr. Lucille O'Neill Harrison, Dale Brown, and all the people that make mistakes. And what I mean by that is, as a youngster, part of my punishment was to stay in a room. But luckily, I could have a TV. So I would see stuff, and then my father just busts in. You see this, look, you do rob the store and get three years. If you ever do that, I'm going to kill you. Clish. Like, you see this man, he hitting on it like he would. And then it got to the point to where I know how strong he was. Like, I'd always stayed away from that stuff. This is a true story. We're in West Germany. And my father comes in, tears in his eyes, pissed. I'm going to fucking kill you. Right? And he starts grabbing. Boom, 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 boom. He starts putting it in. If you ever do cocaine, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, what the fuck is cocaine? What are you talking about? I'll kill you. And he put me on the couch. He calmed down. And then buy a story. He felt like that was his son. Yeah. I t- like I've, I've seen him mad, but I've never seen him mad. So that's, and then I came, I, I remember coming across it in college. As soon as I seen it on the table, I was out. Yeah. As soon as I seen it in Hollywood, I'm out. And yeah. I, I, like, cause I, cause I remember that story. It, it, he was going to be the number one pick and he threw it away. Yeah. And when I tell you this man was terribly upset and mad, he was like, cause when he came in, I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? 
Yeah, they do something in school. They like just say something. You're doing just, the inventory yeah, to see yeah, what yeah, it is. Just, what was it? I will kill you if you. I'm like, what is cocaine? Like Scarface didn't even come out yet. So I'm like, what? What, yeah. what, what the hell are you talking? I know what reefer is, but I don't. So that's why I never do drugs or drink. You said you got caught in the middle when you were young. How close did you get to going the wrong way? Very close. But I used to get disciplined so much that it taught me how to be a thinker. Like one time, friends of mine were about to steal a car. And I was happy for it, but then I had to stop and freeze time. Everybody stop and give me time to say, okay, if I do it and we don't get caught, I'm cool with the boys. But if I get caught, Philip's going to kill me. No, I'm good. Y'all go ahead. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So all the discipline started to get me to do that. That was around 13, 14. So you were that close to stealing a oh, car? Yeah. Oh, all day. All day. And one time we were going, I don't want to use the G word because I know there's real games, but that's just a fellas fight. Yeah. So a couple of the fellas would get ready to go jump this guy, right? And then again, freeze time. The guy's right over there. School's right over there. If I get caught, I'll get three days. I'm not going to handle that. The guy's right over there. What's that, a knife? Oh, you want to stab the dude? Freeze time again. If I stab him, kill him, jail, not going to do that. Slice him up, maybe a little jail. If I do any of that, my father's going to kill me. Y'all go ahead, I'm good. Yeah. So they went, and my one of my friends had the knife. He gets stabbed mm. and goes to the hospital. Really? Yeah, and loses a lung. Oh. Yeah, so... All the whoopings and all the discipline enables me to become a thinker, even to this day. Like, I want to say certain things like, okay, I don't know if I say that, especially now in the times we live in now. Yeah. It's going to come back on me. Don't yeah. say it. Don't say anything. You said you got in a fight one time. You were the bully. Yeah. And he had a seizure. Yep. And that stopped me from being a bully. What happened? Was this just some kid? Or were you targeting him in you, some way? You ever heard snitches get stitches? Mm-hmm. So this helps me out today, being a clown, because I, I get a lot of jobs from being funny. Matter of fact, that movie we did together, my kids still talk about that. Scary movie for us. Yes, yes, they still talk about too. that. So, <laughs> I thought we had a real Oscar buzz going yeah, between you and I. We did. So this particular day, because I was, the day before I had practice and I had a water bottle. First time I've seen the water bottle. So I steal it and I bring it to school, right? And I got tissue, so I'm squirting. And the teacher's on the board, so I throw spit-wise. Blue! And the school know not to tell me, right? So the teacher turned around, and I'm like, you know, the teacher turned around. Who did that? And I'm like, <laughs> I look up, so stop it. So I said, all right, I'm going to do one more. That one wasn't big enough. <laughs> so I get a real big one. And I thought, boom, who did that? And the guy was like, it was, it was Shaq, man. It was Shaq. So now, before that, Principal said, you come in here one more time, you're going to get five days instead of three. So now I'm like, I go on the principal's office, you know, you get five days. So now I know what's going to happen when I get home. Yeah, you're in trouble there. Oh, yeah. I know. I know what's going to happen. But before that happens, I'm going to get you, little boy. So this happened in Hinesville, Georgia, at the Horace Mann Elementary School. So it was the school, woods, 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 park, and, and the Army base that way. So everybody lived on the Army base, so you had to go that way. You could either go in the woods or go around, go to the park, go around. So I'm sitting in a, in a position where I could see all three corners, right? And finally, about 3.45, I see the kid running through the woods. So I chase him. He get out the woods, he goes over by the park. Fast little kid, I'm chasing him. So finally, he's crossing the street, and I see him, and I kick him. 
boom, right in the stomach, and I punch him, boom. And he's on, I grab his collar, and I, I see something I've never seen before. I go, oh. and I'm like, the fuck, right? Yeah. And I drop him, so then the guy sees us fighting, hey, y'all stop that. And he put a pencil in the guy's mouth, and then the ambulance comes, so now, Cops come, so that was one of the worst whoopings on my But after that, my father got, he was one upset that I was bullying the kid, but he was really upset. Like, yo, if you kill the kid, you, you, you're going to jail forever, you dummy, dumbass. Did it really scare you? Yeah, when so he had after that, my bully days were over. I stopped, I stopped bullying people. Cause that my scared thing you was, bad. Yeah, it scared me. Because my thing was, I was always so tall, I had a funny name, I couldn't read or write, so people thought I was, yeah. So they used to pick on me. So I said, okay, you're going to pick on me, little man? Watch this. So, so they thought you were intellectually challenged. Yes, they did. So I used to, uh, you ever, you probably don't have this problem because you're such a smart guy, Dr. Phil, but you ever have your teacher, teacher tell you to read in class and it's so embarrassing because you can't read like everybody else yeah. and everybody laughing at you? Like I used to be in class like this. And I know everybody looking at me, the, the 18... We lure cab and everybody, everybody's laughing. Shut up, Tommy. Shut up, Dr. Phil. Right? Like a, it was it was always like that. So in order to get people, I wanted people to like me or fear me. Just, just like on the basketball court. You're yeah. going to love Shaq or you're going to be scared of Shaq. There ain't no middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're going to respect you, fear you, or they're going to be your friend. Yes. There's not going to be anybody in between. Yep. Did you consider yourself violent on the court? Not violent, but psychologically violent. Intimidating. Yeah, intimidating. Yeah. I had a weapon called the Elbows of Steel. Yeah. First play of the game, I'm going to hit you with it. Yeah. I'll hit you with it. Not, not to try to hurt you, but just to make you feel it. Yeah. So now when I swing it around the second time, you're off balance. And that was displayed in the finals against Philadelphia, Dikembe, shot blocker. But I kept throwing the balls. So as a shot blocker, it's... Your timing has to be like that. If your timing is boom, and then that is too late. So I would always show him the bow. He, uh, what are you doing? Right? And then psh, dug it right in his face. So, yeah. yeah. But off the court, no, never. Was yeah. it Pat Riley that told you hit him first and hit him hard? Hit him first and hit him hard. The great Pat Riley. Yep. And that was your philosophy? It sure was. Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea what it's like to see you coming down the lane? No. I mean, can you imagine? No. Because that's like a freight train, right? It is, but it became a freight train because when I first got to the NBA, again, like I always go back to this, my father did a lot of weird stuff. So I remember right before my first game, he said, I'm happy for you. You got all this stuff, but if you don't play well, we don't eat. We got to get rid of it. And I'm like, what are you? That, that's just always so. When I'm on the court, I'm not going to let you embarrass me in front of my mother. I'm not going to let you take my spot in front of my mother. And nobody's taking my mother's house. And plus, if I play well, I can get way more money than what I'm playing now. So I had, like, yeah. I was always, like, he always used to, like, do, like, little weird stuff like that just to keep me pumped up. Yeah, so you play that game in your mind. Yes. You, you yeah. have these internal motivations. Yes, you're not, you're, you're not taking my mother's house ever. Did that work for you in training as well? I'm working hard. I never trained, Dr. Phil. You didn't train? No. I didn't have to. You remember when you played the Mavs in the finals? Right. Because I was, I was courtside then. I was a Mavs fan, and 
I remember, so you were the enemy to all the Mavs, and I right. remember you came over courtside and kissed me on top of the head <laughs> yes. in the middle of the Mavs, before the Mavs game started, yeah. and everybody's like, what the fuck? I mean, you're supposed to be our guy. Uh, but I remember Robin saying, at that point, you were chiseled. I mean, cut. You didn't get that way without working at it. There was no round. It was you were cut. There's a difference between training and practicing. That yeah. just came from working hard on, yeah. at practice. Yeah, but doing other stuff. I would practice during the day, and after that, I got to do other stuff. So at that time, believe it or not, I was in the police academy, right? Trying because I wanted to be a police officer one day. So I was doing that, doing police stuff, training warrants, all that stuff. And then you know, I would just walk, walk up Mohalla. Just looking for coyotes. That was my thing. I was looking for coyotes. Yeah. I would just walk, and then I was just, I would always dream, and I would always stay out of trouble. It caught up with me later in my career, because once the weight got on, then I decided to get into training mode. It, it didn't help, because I didn't know how to train. Because my thing, my motivation was so high. Like, me and Pat Riley used to argue all the time. Like, when we come in, he said, oh, I want your body fat at 15. So I'm like, Pat, I don't eat salad. I eat burgers. This is what I do. So I don't care how he looks. What he once that horn starts, I'm busting his ass. You can put any one of your in shape guys in front of me, and like you give me burgers, pizza, tacos. I'm gonna eat all that before the game, and I'm gonna still bust his ass. My motivation is something that's very different than than other guys' motivation. Caught up with me towards the end of my career. Yeah, but that was just drive, right? I mean, yeah, that's just that's just, just yeah. in your head, drive. Yeah, Ain't nobody my taking my mama's house. Yeah, in my head, and then you know. As a youngster, they always used to say, Kareem, Wilt, and Russell. Guess what? Shaqy, little kitty, you can be up there. So that's another motivation. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I know. You guys really think I'm that good? I remember when I first got to, to L.A. after I left Orlando. Jerry pulls me in the forum, and they had it set up nice. We were just sitting there talking, and then dish, all the lights come up on all the jerseys. He said, I brought you in here and said, look, I know you do raps. I know you do movies. I know you come out here for other business interests. But at the end of the day, you're either going to be a flop for this organization or your name's going to be up there. I'm like, damn, Jerry West, I'm that great. I can have my name on. I know I was good, but shit, we still had Mike. Yeah. Barkley. <laughs> yeah. Ewan, like, we still had guys that were, like, I'll never be that good. But, you know, when you get somebody like that to believe in you, it turns up another notch. What was the biggest contract you signed? The first one was 40 for seven. LA was 120 for seven. Then I got a hundred million extension and I got an 80 million extension. Then I got another 80 extension when I moved to Miami. So probably the 120 for seven. 120 for seven. Was there any time at which having that much money locked down caused you to be less intense? No. Because at that point, you're not playing for the money. Not at that point, it's no longer they're going to take my mama's house. Right. Because you can buy the bank that you got your mama's house from. But then I used to have other motivations. I love being motivated by stuff. Like I used to ride by Aaron <clears throat> Spelling's house. You know where his house is? I've been in it, yeah. I used to ride by the house and be like, God 70,000 square feet. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I'm rich, but I'm not that rich. Yeah. Right? And then I got a lesson in FICA when I first got to L.A. When I first got to L.A., I was flossing. I had a house in Manhattan Beach, one in uh, Mulholland Estates. I had a condo. I bought three Rolls Royces. My guy calls me to the office. 
Yeah, you know, you just spent your whole check. So in my mind, I'm like two from Manhattan Beach. I got 18 left. Condo is one, 17 left, about three rows. Left. I got 15 left. But he shows me that my $20 million check is really 10 9. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck is FICA? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm Who's like, this so, guy? yeah. So now I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta slow down and, and do other things. But I used to ride because I used to live on Beverly Glen and Mulholland. So Wilshire, Beverly Glen, make that right, cut through over there by um, the Playboy Mansion. And mm-hmm. I used to look at Mrs. Spelling House. One time, this guy came out. Said, Jack, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just looking. And I said to myself, I'm rich, but I'm not really rich. Yeah. That's when I started doing other stuff in business. Stuff. So I just like being motivated. But whenever I had the big contract, one, I knew I had to, to live up to that contract and the name. And then I was always playing for the next one. Yeah, for the next one. Yeah. Yep. You say the money didn't motivate you once you had. I mean, there's a point at which everybody plays for the money. Everybody works for the money. It's how we keep score, even right. if it's not. We're right. not working for the rent. It's how we keep score. Right. But this is what I want people to understand the inner drive that made you say, I don't care who you put in front of me, I'll bust his ass. What is it inside that made you know that and made you do that and made it true? When my mother first told me, make people remember your name. That's the first thing. And the first factor is when a great believes in you and you don't believe in yourself, mm-hmm. you want to make them proud also. Because yeah. the fact that Dick Vitale said, I, w- I was going to really stay four years. Yeah. But when Dick said, I'm telling you now, Shaq goes out, he's number one. And then one time I'm watching the game, the Lakers played the Celtics before us. So I'm late coming out the locker room, there was a sign. And they were interviewing Larry Bird. And they said, uh, how would you feel again? He said, man, I'm I'm good, but I don't want to talk to you. I got to go watch this fella named Shaquille O'Neal play for LSU. <laughs> if he ever comes in the league, he's going to be the best big man ever. So now I'm like, holy shit. Larry Bird said that. Yeah, Larry So now I'm like, I got to keep them proud. And then the thing with Jerry West. And then crazy thing is, is what my father always used to teach me when we, when we were first playing. He said, if you listen to me, buddy, I can make you the most dominant player in the world. Finesse, Kareem. Don't block shots like that. Like he used to tell me stories of people I never, like I knew who Kareem was, but I never heard of Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain. Right. So I used to block shots in the game. He was my coach. Time out. Don't block it out of bounds. Tap it to another player. Bill Russell's doing like, yo, you got to kiss more. You got to dominate like Will Chamberlain. I'm like, who the, Who are all these people? And then when I got to where I could read and look at all these people, like, wow. But he always used to say that. And then other people started saying, I'm like, damn, my father was right. So then I was like, you know what? Now that they're saying I could be like these guys, if I don't, they're going to be talking about me in a negative way. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a sensitive guy. Yeah. So I don't like people saying, oh, he could have been good, but he was terrible. Yeah. I can't. I, I cannot have my mother sitting on the couch drinking tea in her head rags. Watching people say, oh, Shaquille O'Neal was a bust of the NBA. Yeah, could have made it, didn't. Yeah, didn't, yeah. I, I, I can't have that. How old were you when you could really read and study and learn about the game and other people? Freshman year. Freshman year. Yeah, because I had to trick myself into learning how to read. Let me tell you why. It's two things that will always bring people together. That's music and sports, no matter what's going on, music and sports. So now that I love music, when I'm reading, I would rhyme now. I couldn't believe it. Right now, coach, right now, Shaquille. He said, let's go. After that, I didn't miss it. Like, I would read it. So now that I'm reading it and rapping it, I will comprehend. Yeah. Like, if I just sit here and read, I couldn't believe it. Right now, coach, I would, I'll get sleepy and my ADD starts kicking in and I just, I just start going all over the place. But then 
And then it gets to the time where I used to put instrumentals on. And then I would just read it. So after that, then I started getting C's and B's and all that. I was like, okay, now I'm on my way. And then here comes the SAT. I've never seen those words in my life. Yeah. So now I got to get a tutor and she's drilling me, drilling me, drilling me, drilling me, drilling me. So then when I take the test, the guy says, you're allowed to have a walk, man. I'm like, oh, you're going to mess up now, mister. I'm in the thing like this. I'm jamming, doing my test, and I pass. I didn't get a high score, but at that time you needed a 700. I made a 720. Good enough to play college. That puts you in LSU. Yeah, put me in LSU. Yeah. So you did it rhythmically. Yes. And that worked for you. And let me tell you, that's a legitimate way to break pieces of information down, particularly if you know the if you know the music and you know the beat, so you don't have to attend to it. If it's right. a new song, you right. gotta listen to yeah, it. Yeah, listen to it, yeah. But if it's a rhythm, a beat yeah. that you know, then that's just a backbeat in your mind. The, the beat I always played was Planet Rock. You remember that? Doom, 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 yeah. That was always my beat. What made you decide to do rap albums? What made me decide is when my grandmother used to always tell me, follow my dreams. So as a medium level juvenile delinquent, always on punishment, my guy was the Hulk. He was my guy. Man, I want to be on TV one day. Just, like you just throw it out there. Man, I want to be on TV one day. Damn, Dr. J went baseline and threw it down. The crowd went crazy. <sighs> I want to do that. This cop just saved this little kid from, from you know, being beat up. I want, like Those are all my dreams, right? Yeah. So then, you know. That was my thing. So when I uh, became a little bit big time and found out how Hollywood worked, like when you're hot, you get to dictate how you want things to go. And I always said, I have to do it my way, not their way. So uh, Arsenio Hall kept calling me because I would see him out there with Magical Time. Hey, man, come be on the show, come be on the show. Like, I ain't got nothing to talk about yet. Everybody knows, they, they know him, but I want them to see something that they don't know. So finally I said, Arsenio, I'll come on your show if you let me rap with my favorite rap group. Deal. I thought he was going to die. He said, deal. So my favorite rap group at the time was Fushnikin. So they flew down. We did a song. And then I, uh, at the end of the show, I did the song. And the next day, record labels were calling. I'm like, I don't want to be no rapper, bro. <laughs> well, you took 30 million for two albums. I'm not going to ever turn that down. Ever. No, hell no. And I said, okay. And then I go back to my philosophy. All right, we're going to have to do it my way. Nobody wants to hear a basketball player by itself. How about if I rap with all my favorite rappers? Deal. So I got all my favorite rappers to rap with me. First album went platinum. Second album went gold. And it was just fun. And I'm in the Four Seasons one day in, in uh, L.A. I see Chris Rock. Man, I love you. Boom, boom, boom. I got a movie role for you. I'm like, okay. Be here tomorrow. Like I thought it was just BS and be here tomorrow. So I get there. I see all this. CB4 was my first movie. That's a little movie he did. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there. The Four Seasons on Doheny was my spot to just meet people. I met yeah. I got. I met a guy who hooked me up with the Google investment there. I met a guy who was saying, hey, doing a movie called Blue Chips. Nick Nolte, basketball, boom, 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 boom. You'll be right for it. Who's your agent? Give my agent number. That was my first big movie. So yeah. I look. I was like, damn. So I like, but I never, I, I wanted to be a movie star, but I don't. But yeah. as a kid, I always just said, I'm going to do that. So, so just all about maximizing your potential and just following your dreams. And then does it live up to it when you do it? Of course. It's I mean, fun. it's fun, right. It's fun. You know, yeah. like people always give me flack about, oh, Kazam was the worst movie. I'm like, first of all, you shouldn't be watching that movie as an adult. 
<laughs> and I meet adults now that say when they were kids, they loved it. So yeah. screw you. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what you say. And we had fun doing the scary movie four, right? Yeah, we did. We did. And it made fun of both of us. And the crazy thing about that is that you don't you don't know a person until you meet them. Like you're you're super smart. I I love watching your show because you help other people. I had no idea you were that funny though. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, seriously, I didn't. Like I thought you were one because like because like on your show you get serious, but yeah. then when somebody try to test you, you got to get in dad mode. You don't yeah. tell me nothing. So I'm like, okay. But when I when me and you hung out for those few hours, I called my mom. and said, Mom, Doctor Phil is the funniest guy. What do you mean? I said, Mom, he said a curse word in the movie. What do you mean? Bullshit. <laughs> like I, I like like when you did that the first time, I wasn't expecting that for you because. How you are on TV, you're very serious. You you, yeah. you know, your main goal is to help people and yeah. better their lives. But that's why I like meeting people. Because, like, you, you hear and you see a lot of stuff about people, but you don't know people until, until you meet them. That's exactly what I said when I met him. I oh, went home. Oh, oh you're in the book. Oh. oh. <laughs> Hi. Welcome. You're not sitting up here with us. Oh, I'm. Oh, she's taking notes I'm and stuff. Good, yeah. Oh. But I went home. And I was like, "Oh my God, Doctor Phil is hilarious." No, he is. He's, he's really funny. We had fun. Are you, are you shooting free throws with rocks? Yeah. <laughs> and you threw a what? You throw a commode at me? Yeah. <laughs> a stool at me. That uh, was that hilarious. Was my kid, my kids still laugh at that. Yeah, it was great. You were afraid of ducking yeah. when you first got to it, right? Yeah. Why? Because I'm sensitive, and if I miss, everybody's gonna laugh at me. Cause they're already telling me you're six nine. You're not gonna make it to the NBA. I don't even know why you're playing. You can't shoot gum and walk at the same time. You suck. You got this little guy scoring on you. Clumsy. You're not gonna make it. So I get to the point to where I get so low, then I get mad. Then it turns up. Like I'm not the get low quick guy. I'm the get low, 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 low. What'd you say? And then I just turn it on. So. You know, people always used to say that. So my thing was, I don't want to be a dunker anyway. Magic ain't dunking. I'm magic. So, you know, it it, 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 it rather than quitting and focus on that, I got to work on my handle. So now I'm, I got to work on my little jump shot. I had all that. So then when I get to my low, I start with a rock. And I'm 100 times. Ah, ah. And it gets to the point to where I call it dreamful attraction. Like I get to, I would shut my eyes and, and imagine crowd 30,000 so I'll be outside by myself at a park and people just looking at me like I'm crazy like <laughs> you can hear cars go by so I'll have a rock so now I got the rock now I gotta go tennis ball kickball the little red kickball right. soccer ball girl ball and then finally I got to the point where it was uh, 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 basketball so I was already dunking but I was scared to dunk and then one time Back to Sergeant Philip Harrison, I got 46, Dr. Phil, in three quarters. Cross a guy up, finger roll it, and miss. Oh, crowd goes crazy. <laughs> My father walks on the court, calls the timeout. Out of the stands. Out of the stands. I'm like, I'm in play. Call the fucking timeout. So I call the timeout. He takes me outside. What are you doing? So, young man, I'm working on my Dr. J shit. Wow. You ain't no Dr. JB the first Shaq. So now that he embarrassed me in front of everybody, I can't cry because my boy's looking, but they know what happened. I told my boy, get it to me. So that's when, so every dunk was trying to tear the rim down because I was mad at him. And that's why I started dunking like that. That's when you started yeah, right there. Like every time I dunk, I'm trying to tear the rim down because he pissed me off. And after the game, he's like, that's what I'm talking about. Love you. Let's go to McDonald's. Because that was my spot, McDonald's. 
and that was okay. That was okay with me. You've torn backboards down. Yes. What do you think the first time you did that? The first time a backboard exploded? It took me back to my days of watching the Hulk. I already knew I was the strongest kid. Also, being being the Hulk got me in trouble one time. One time in Newark, New Jersey. We thought the car was abandoned, but it wasn't. The guy just had it parked <laughs> in the alley. So I ripped the mirrors off. I don't, like I, In my mind, I was really the Hulk. I ripped the mirrors off, the windshield wipers. We bust the window. I ripped the damn door off. And we almost got arrested. We didn't get arrested because my uh, my my uncle is the police, and we just had to do community service. But I there was somebody in the car. No, but there was the uh, neighbor's car. He just parked in the alley oh, so he can keep it. It wasn't abandoned. No, no. So <laughs> you tore the car apart? Yes, we tore it apart. Uh, we took the bricks and bust the window, and I was and so that was your Hulk day. Yeah, that was my Hulk day. Then I went to Superman phase after that. Yeah, what'd you do in your Superman phase? We used to put uh, towels around our neck and jump off the roof. <laughs> Think we could fly? <laughs> How'd that work? I didn't break. I didn't break any bones. Yeah. We used to go. We used to go. We used to go from rooftop to rooftop. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, just like. Hey, you talked about training for the police. You fell seventy-five feet when you were climbing a rope. Yeah, from my house. What do you, what, how did that happen? I, I'm, I'm the type, I don't want you to give me anything. So when I first got to LA, I was like, I'll give you a badge. I was like, nah, I'm good. I want to earn it. What do you mean you want to earn it? I want to go to academy. Uh, got with Sheriff Baca, main academy. Took me three years because in LA it's level three. That gives you security guard status. <clears throat> level two, you're a cop, but you have to ride around with other cops. And level one, you're a full-fledged police officer. Definition of reserve police officer is you have another job, but you still have all the qualifications to be a police officer. So doing patrol, internet crimes against children, detective. Um, I want to be on squad, but don't just put me on squad because I'm Shaq. Sit-ups I can do, push-ups I can do, entrance of the building I can do, fighting thing I can do, boom, boom, boom. Got to climb the rope. All right, give me some time. So I build the back of the rope on my house. First, I started with the thing. couldn't get it, and I put the knots in it. But I broke a rule when I got to the top. Got too happy. Man, I did it. <laughs> Boom. The only thing that saved me is right before I hit the ground, I grab a rope and a cushion my fall for right on my back. Holy shit. But now we got a game the next day. Holy oh. shit. So now I got to. <laughs> so so how far did you fall? Very it, high. It was like 75 feet? Yeah, 75 feet. Top of my house. So you grabbed the rope right before you hit? Yeah. And I hit my feet and then hit my head. Did and it? I had a game the next day. Where? How bad were you hurt? Oh, I was hurt pretty bad. I had to take some uh, Oxycontin, something I never do. Did you play the next day? Yeah, I played terrible. I foul shaved. You know what that is? No. It's when you get three quick fouls so you can sit next to the coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He fouled your way to the bench yeah, so you can sit yeah. down and hurt. Yes, I can hurt sit in down. peace. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. So would you? Did you ever finish the program? No, I never. I never became. You thought this is too dangerous? No, I just couldn't pass. So you couldn't climb the rope. No, couldn't climb the rope. They you wanted, had to climb a rope without knots in yeah, it. Yeah, without the knots in. So after I got the knots, then I was gonna go back and retrain myself on how to do it on my own. Because again, I don't want them to put me there. Because if you're not fully qualified, everybody's in danger. You know what I mean? I want. Yeah. I want to go through what you go through. I want to know what you know. So I decided not to do it. Well. 
every cop on the street that's a full-fledged cop climbs a rope? No, every SWAT member. I wanted to be SWAT. Oh, I see. You were SWAT. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I started yeah. to say, I've seen yeah. a lot of cops out there. You yeah. can't tell me they, grow, they climb up a rope. rope. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm throwing the bullshit flag on that because I've seen some of these guys that haven't seen their shoes in six years. Yeah. They got a belly on them and they can't do it. And are you from Texas? Yes. So I was telling people that. And I said this in my uh, Hall of Fame speech. So you know how they say people and, you know. So my coach used to always call me Big Some Bitch. Like, and you just have to realize, like, in Texas, that's just how people are. But he loved me. I know he loved me. Yeah. I know he loved me. So when I was telling that story, people, oh, he's, no, he's not. He's not what you think. It's like, it's just how they are. Like, you know. Everything you a big old son bitch, but he's from uh, what part of Texas he from? I want to say Tyler, Texas, down there far. I want to oh, talk yeah. to him, yeah, but it was it, it yeah. was fun. East Texas. And I can tell you from Texas when you said bullshit. I'm doing that bullshit <laughs> right now. That's Texas right there. That's Texas all day right there. Yeah, <laughs> that, Dallas. That's, that's yeah. That, that's how you started Texas fairy tale. Yeah. Is it? Watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> become SWAT? No. Because that, I mean, wouldn't they be worried that you're going to go out and get shot? No. I would I probably come in last. I'm yeah, because you'd be an awful I'm, big target and you run in there and somebody got a $120 million contract on you and you're you're busting through a door? I've done over a uh, 100 warrants. Really? Mm-hmm. And what do people think when you show up? A lot of times they don't see me. Well, how do they not see you if you're serving warrants? No, because remember, I don't go out by myself. So it's probably six to 12 of us. Yeah. So the first ones then are the ones get out, you know, with the weapons and do this, do that. So a lot of times we'll go in and we'll be looking for stuff and they don't even see me. What made you decide you wanted to be a cop? Because another one of my dreams is to be a sheriff uh, in the community. Sheriff is a voted position. Yes, I will most likely win because I'm Shaq. But as you know, running a business and running a corporation, the people that work for you must respect you. So I don't want to come in as a, as a Shaq basketball player with no law enforcement experience trying right. to tell a bunch of law enforcement guys what to do. I'll never get their respect. Yeah. So I think these guys know and understand I've been through the same things that they've been through, and they know that I'm 100% serious when I say I'm running for sheriff. thought about doing it in 2020 here in Georgia, but I'm really busy. I want to be able to serve the people. Like I say, I want to serve the people. I don't want to be sheriff and, you know, Doing this show, doing that show, doing this concert, doing that, it'd be unfair to the people. So in 2024, probably be most likely when I run. So you you still plan to run? Yes. I want to be the first, one of the first people to bring the law enforcement and the community closer together. Yeah. Because besides the drill sergeant that used to tap me on the backside, my mother's sister's husband, who was a police officer, also did the same thing. Yeah. When I'm on the corner messing around and before the information got back to my father, Uncle Mike and Uncle Jerome, who are with me now, was the one that said, hey, man, matter of fact, get, get your ass in the car right now. Get in the back. man. Get in the back. Get in the back. Take me to jail. Now, look, we done told you a dumb ass one time. Next time we catch you out there stealing the store, this is where we're going to put you. Yeah. And then leave me in jail for about eight hours. And yeah. I have to sit there like, I think I'm a, I, I, I ain't doing that anymore. Hey, man, let's go ride that bubble gum. No. Uncle Mike and let me catch me and go to jail again. My father going with my No, I'm good. Y'all yeah, go ahead. Yeah, y'all go ahead. <laughs> y'all go ahead. We I have this this program I do on Dr. Phil called Behind the Badge. And I started it a couple of years ago. 
And we've done it from New York to LA and cities in between where we spotlight police officers, law enforcement, because I want to humanize the men and women behind the badge so people realize these are human beings. Because you, you hear people, they hate the police or they're hating the badge. Realize these are moms and dads. These are people standing in the gap to keep us safe. And you can't believe the response we've had to that program and how, how caring and giving the, these guys are. There's bad apples in every barrel. I know that. But for the most part, these people really care. Right. They're, they're really trying to do a good job. Yeah, I want to be the one that brings the community closer back together. I think, I think people need a better understanding of the laws. Yeah. yeah. So I think if everybody, like I always tell people, first thing you got to say to yourself, does the police have an awful, I mean, have a lawful right to be where he's at? Right. And then everybody needs, needs to understand the law. Like my son called me one day, man, I just switched lanes and the cop pulled me over. I said, well, did you change? Did you use your single? No. So that's, <laughs> son, that's called an infraction. He can pull yeah. you over for that. What? I said, look it up. What do you mean look it up? I said, there's something called the Cal- California Vehicle Code book. Trust me, I know this book in and out. It's about that thick. And I told him, I said, this is the number. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, another one of my kids got stopped over because he didn't have a front license plate. Dad, they said I have a, I said, look on your ticket. Does it say 5200? Yeah, how do you know that? I said, that's the uh, motor vehicle code for not having front and rear license plate. So, like, but you know, a lot of people don't know that. Everybody want to go straight to 10. You pull me over because I, no, like I always tell my kids, cop pull you over. It's yes, sir. No, sir. Do your job. Yeah. I get stopped all the time. And people always say, yeah, they're going to let you go because you're shat. No, that's not why they're going to let me go. They're going to let me go because I'm respectful. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. Because no, my thing is I ain't got nothing in my car that's going to make me go to jail. That's right. Nothing at all. So, yeah. hey, yes, sir. No, sir. I apologize for speeding, sir. No, have go on. Check your nice guy. Go on. Slow down. Yes, sir. Yeah. Boom. Oh, they let you go because you're shat. No. One time in Valdosta, Georgia. True story. Valdosta. Valdosta. I'm speeding. I'm breaking the law. So a guy gets behind me, and he, uh, I told him, I said, hey, before you even walk up to the car, I got a weapon. Young kid, he backs up. <laughs> Call Dr. Fields. <laughs> so I'm just sitting in the car. Because he was behind me, and I got tents on my car. We're in Georgia, Valdosta. I don't want to be scrambling. Yeah, no. But I got the permits. I got it right here, you know. Georgia. I got the Georgia concealed permit and I got the Florida. I'm good. I'm not going to jail tonight. So he's called Dr. Phil. So about five other cars come up. With your left hand. Well, now they got me in the felony house. So I get out and I'm backing up, all this and all that. So finally one cop gets me on the Shaq, is that you? I said, yeah, but what the hell are you doing? I said, man, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm not fucking with you people out here. I want to just follow everything. He said, hey, man, it's Shaq. So we took pictures. We laughed about it. And when you know, I said, go on, go on and go. But yeah, when somebody gets belligerent, that's how you get shot. That's what I'm saying. I ain't trying. So you know, I think the guy when he saw a big black guy, yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a Buick, because actually, because actually, I was in my Buick. So yeah. I was in a Buick with a gun on the thing. He kind of panicked a little bit, but it's cool. Yeah, well, you'd scare a cop. I I know. Uh, I wouldn't care if you're black, white, but <laughs> yeah. you're scared of getting, holy shit. <laughs> Get back in the car. <laughs> Drive away. <laughs> Do you miss the competition? No, not at all. Don't miss it a bit. Not at all. When you watch these games, you don't no. feel like I, you'd like be back out there on the hardwood. Because another Philip O'Neill story 
Yes, he took me to a game one time. I was doing good in school. He wanted to roll me. Took me to a game. Didn't have the money. I had to go borrow. And me borrow twenty dollars. Get back to you. We get to the game. Shitty game. He's pissed. Cause now he got to find the twenty dollars to pay back the neighbor and all that. So on the way to the game, he turns the radio down. Boom. <laughs> if you ever make it big time, we we as fans, we pay a lot of money to watch you play. Make sure you put on a show for these people. So that was always a man. So that's why when I saw you in Dallas, hey, the, mm, you know, <laughs> like always wanted to make people people feel good. So when it got to the point to where I wasn't in the shack anymore, I felt like I was robbing the people. Like I had a two year deal in Boston, so I got hurt. I still had five men on the table. I went up to Danny Age and said, "Keep it. You're not gonna come back. You know it's yours. It's guaranteed." Nope, that's not that's not how we do business. Yeah. I didn't feel like the shack anymore. The shack is twenty eight. 15, 13, snarling at the fans, talk, shut up, that, acting crazy, signing autographs, making people complain about the rules. So when it got to the point where I was only getting six to eight points, I was like, I'm robbing the people, bro. Can't yeah. do it. That's not go. you. Yep, that's not me. Yeah. So now you're in business. What's the most fun thing you do in business? Well, I had to learn. So I wasn't even thinking about business because I already had a, a lot of money. Right. And then, I read an article that said you can't become wealthy just by playing sports. You got to start owning things. So then I meet Magic Johnson one day, and he was the man in LA. It's like my first time meeting him. And he puts his arm, and he's like, hey, man, at some point you want to start owning things. I was like, I have no idea what that meant. I went to school three years. They didn't teach me about this. So I'm at the store, Dummy's Guide to Owning Your Own Business, which is a great book. So all the people who don't have the ability to, to go to school and do all that stuff, you should yeah. get that book, The Dummy's Guide to Starting Your Own Business. So I get that book, and I'm like, okay, here it is. All right, proprietorship, sole proprietorship, partnership, I'm learning all this stuff. And then I said to myself, okay, now I got to study business. So I go to all my negative articles. This guy had a restaurant and went broke, record company went broke. Mm-hmm. Guys took all his money and went broke, we broke. So now, like, okay, I don't know nothing about business. I don't know what I'm going to do. I like to read books. So I read a quote book. Dwight Eisenhower, the greatest leaders are the ones smart enough to hire people smarter than them. Right. I got an old assistant that's a brilliant, that's brilliant. Personal assistant. I got this account over here that's been handling people's money a long time. Get him. I'm going to get my father to tell him if he freaks me over, he's going to kill him. Keep them alive. <laughs> boom. That's good. So now I got to start. So now I just start asking questions. Like, what do I do? Boom, boom, boom. And joint ventureships is what I do. Yeah. For example, if I was to do a podcast or a radio show, got to call Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because this is what you do. This is not what I do. Right? So I'll partner with you. We come up with a deal. Boom, bam, bam. So I started to just focus on joint ventures and partnerships rather than try to do stuff by myself. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm in a restaurant business, not a restaurateur, but I got people that are. Right. And that's the way I I do my business because I was studying all the guys that tried to do stuff. Like, you can't play basketball and run a restaurant. Can't do it. Right. You can't do it. Profits will go out the back door. And then you just can't tell people, hey, do this and do that. You got to know what you're looking at. Right. So uh, that's the first thing I I went after I got my bachelor's. I need to get a master's in business administration. And then after I did that, they taught me a little bit more about business. But, you know, it's it's not for me. It's not to generate wealth. It's to be something more to my babies than just Shaq. 
best feeling I guess when I go to those parent teacher conference. Yeah. Hello, Dr. O'Neill. Uh your son is hold on. You did what? What happened? You you, you got a D in this? What happened? All right, excuse, excuse me for a second. <laughs> Explain to me why you got a D. Well, I couldn't get how many iPads have I bought you? I don't wanna hear that shit. You type it in Google and they get I don't like hey, get another D, what should I do to you? So like this and then well, Dr. O'Neill, uh, the conversation you have with your son, he's boom, 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 and right. So it's that that's a better feeling for me. It's a better feeling for me to say when my kids be able to say, Hey, my daddy was one of the first investors in Google. And my daddy was just part of the ring deal that got sold for like that's those are better stories than being a basketball star. Oh yeah. Yeah, because the crazy thing about basketball, my kids don't think I'm the best anyway. Really? They like oh, they like LeBron and Kobe and Steph Curry. So I gotta try to win their love in other places. They can emulate that and they can't emulate what you did in basketball, but they can they can join you in business. They yes. can emulate what you're doing in business. I tell them you need three degrees to get some of my cheese. Yeah. I said, I'm only doing respectable nepotism over here. Yeah. Not like uh one of one of my older sons. Kind of my fault, but I didn't didn't word the contract the right way. I said, You get all A's, I I'll buy you a car. He did it. He was so I said, go pick a car, call my office. So he goes to the Ben store, the one on third and, and Beverly. Yeah. But he wants the big Ben's, the ones that me and you drive. Yeah. So I had to tell him, I said, hey, meet me in, in Westwood at this restaurant. So he came in, I said, let me tell you something. I know what I told you, but we're not rich, buddy. I'm rich. Yeah. Okay, there's Ford, there's Honda, there's Mitsubishi, <laughs> you know, there's Range Rover. You can go get you one of them. You, you can't get the big boy car yet until you yeah. get that uh, that bachelor's and that bachelor. He understood. Yeah, and he won't appreciate it if he did. Exactly. You know, Jay's first car was a six-banger Mustang. Nice. You know, he wanted a Corvette. And I said, oh, yeah. no, yeah. you ain't going to get a Corvette. You're going to get a six-cylinder Mustang that has to really want to go up that hill. He's got to really want to go up that hill. That's nice. And he, he was, he's proud to have it. Yeah. He was proud to have it. Who's the best basketball player on the court today? I'm weird. I like Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, I like I like looking at guys that can do stuff I couldn't do. Yeah. He's a hell of a shooter. Everybody's yeah. gonna say LeBron. Some gonna say KD. And these are like the these are some of the sports conversations that I, I, I really like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you hear those same conversations in your line of work. But I always go back to say if my name is mentioned. Then I'm well respected. That's all that matters. Like yeah. I don't. It doesn't matter to me if you say Shaquille O'Neal was the best or most dominant. You said his name. That's good enough for me. Guess yeah. what? You made me proud, and you made my mama proud. Make them remember your name, son. If you hadn't done basketball, what would you have done? Police officer. You'd have gone that way all the yeah. way. Yeah. Or military. Yeah. And you're going to do law enforcement, so you're going to have both. You're going to have done this and done that. I'm still doing law enforcement now. Yeah. Yep. You're still working on it? No, I'm a, a, a sheriff's deputy in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So reserve? Reserve, yes. So how much time do you put in on it? I try to go down there twice a month. Yeah. And do you go on patrol and all? I go do talk you like that? Kids. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> I go talk to kids, try to, you know, set them straight. Yeah. That's a, that's a great use of your recognizability and your celebrity. And that's a great use of that because they'll hear you. They'll hear you when you say it versus somebody that they don't know. Yeah. That's a great use of that. I just try to keep it real. Like you keep being out here is two places you're going to be sleep 
Or in jail. Yeah. And just don't get shot. Yeah. Don't get shot while you're out there. Oh, I won't. I promise I won't. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're too big a target. I know. I won't. Thank you for taking the time to do this with me. That's it. I want one more hour. This is this is unbelievable. All right. Thank you. I can't believe it. Thank you, Appreciate man. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Hey, and, oh, we got to do something. Jerry West, who you well know, yes. um, he's a member at Bel Air Country Club, where right. I'm a member. And every year they honor a member. This year it's Jerry West. And so we do a roast and we do a video and they want us to do a, a kind of skit thing for him. And at the end of it, just for you to say something really nice to him. Got it. Uh, we, is that okay? Sure. Um, you can hold up some few cards for you. And do you have my jokes? Yes. You and Dr. Phil having a conversation. We're just uh, talking about him, right? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's all made up stuff. Okay. So let's, let's see. We just look at this, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, can you tell your 22 year old wife I said hello? I was telling your shot, right, Alan? So yeah. I said hello. Okay. You guys weren't there, but when we did Scary Movie 4, we were doing some promo shots afterwards <laughs> and for the poster. And so they got Shaq holding me like a baby. <laughs> and the cameraman's battery went dead. And he said, oh, shit, I got to go get a battery. And I said, you can put me down. He said, ah, it's all right. He's standing there talking <laughs> to Robin the while the guy goes and gets a battery. I'm 230 pounds. And he's holding me like a baby. He didn't even break a sweat. Oh, my God. You remember that? I remember that. I mean, good God. I'm thinking, jeez. Like a front end loader. All right, here we go. All set, everyone? Man, Jerry West is something. Isn't he 6'2", 185 pounds? Strong. He tossed you around. Has superhuman strength. It's unreal. I couldn't believe it. He played for West Virginia. Broke his nose versus Kentucky. 33 points, 18 rebounds with a broken nose. After that game, didn't even take a shower. He goes... Smells fire, saves a family from a burning building, rips the door off and just comes in like, ah! Well, 1969, game five of the finals, Lakers down against Boston. J.W. pulls a hamstring in the fourth, wraps it up, shot at Nova Kane, sent him back into the game. But what you didn't know, they lost that game. He well, was so yeah. mad, he went out and ran the Boston Marathon twice before it even started. But guess what? Till this day, nobody has beat his time. Yeah, well... One-on-five basketball game against a girls' high school team. One hand tied behind his back, beat him 168 to 10. I seen him pick Kobe up in the locker room over his head, ball him up like a little ball and go, jab step, jab step, pump fake, pump fake, and shoot him into the garbage can, and it made the switch sound. Wow. Well, I golfed with him at Bel Air Country Club. He sunk two hole-in-ones in a row, missed the third, but he launched his golf bag across that canyon by the swinging bridge, landed from the tee onto the 10th green, threw his golf bag, it landed upright, didn't even spill the clubs out, didn't even come out of the bag, landed perfect. I seen him go up to Kareem and go like that, but no words are coming out. Kareem, I'm going to kill you. And then gave him a scissor kick. We up right in the face. Kareem's goggles were all over his face. He couldn't see. I was like, Jerry, stop. Man, I would not mess with this guy. Don't you agree? I wouldn't mess with him all. Well, here's to Jerry West, the right? Jerry West. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. Mr. West, hope you like that little skit. 
Dr. Phil made me do it. He's my counselor now. As you know, working on TV with Charles Barkley can make you crazy. Just want to say I love you. Thank you for motivating me. Every time I walk up in a stable center and I look up and I see my jersey next to yours, you may have motivated me to do that. When I leave the stable center and see a statue, you, motiv- you motivated me to do it. I just want to say thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I love you. If you ever need anything from me, you know where to find me. Thank you, sir. Love you, Jerry. Congratulations. And Mr. West, yes, you're a better free throw shooter, but behind the three, you know what they call me, Shaquille Onilovich. <laughs> Thank you so All much. All right, my brother. That was great. Right, Thank you so nice. much. Very very nice. That was fun. People learned some things about you. Yeah. Very inspiring. Can I call my mom? Yes. You don't mind if I FaceTime with you? No, let's do it. Can we? No. Got me nervous, Dr. Phil. Can't even find my oh, mama's contact. Mommy, M-O-M-M-Y. Take your time. I'll just photobomb you. Mommy, don't be mad, but I got arrested and uh, uh, they got me talking to this counselor. Hold on. What? Hey, what's going on? What? <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn the light on. Look at this stuff. <laughs> How you doing, Dr. Phil? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good to see you. Well, I've been hanging out with your baby boy here. You need to feed him. He's, he's shrinking up here. Oh, yes, he will. He loves that comfort food from mom. Well, I'm glad that you got a chance to spend a little time with him. How you doing today, Skill? I'm doing good. I just want to call and say right. I love you. Well, let me tell you. You're at the house? Oh, yes, it's good. He's, no, no, we're at, the, uh, we're at the hotel. He's sure been bragging on you, I can tell you for sure. He loves you, he respects you, and he gives you so much credit for the success in his life. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> he's a good son. He's one of four, but he's a great son. Yeah, well, he's him. your favorite son, right? Because he's the only one that can hear you right now. Well, no, I can't say that. Well, he's the only one that can hear you. <laughs> he, we call him the eldest. He's the eldest. There you go. All right, my uh, man, I love you. How's your family? Now, my family is great. Robin's good. My two boys are good. The grandkids are good. If we were any better, we'd think it was a frame-up. Well, say hello for me, okay? I will. It's so nice to meet you on FaceTime. So long. You too. I hope I get a chance to see you soon. I'll hug for you. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. All right, Mommy. Love you. Take care. All right, I'll talk to you. All right. Love you, Shaquille. Okay, peace. Find Fill in the Blanks in your podcast app. Then subscribe so you don't miss an episode.